the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. If you don't have the right view of God, you won't understand the right way to fear God. So for some people, the wrong view of God is that God is always angry. God is vengeful. God is, God's always having a bad day, didn't get his cup of coffee in the morning, and just wants to nail somebody, almost with delight. And that's the way some people view God. He's just angry, vindictive, just wants to punish somebody. As a result, when you have that view of God, the fear of God means that you don't even want to approach him. You're scared of him. You, you don't want to draw near to him. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ecclesiastes. An incorrect perspective of who God is will sway our ability to connect with Him as we should. Pastor Gary teaches us to know God's character. We learn that it's crucial to get a broad understanding of who God is. Though He's our Father and friend, He's also the most holy of holies and our king. He wields a power which can annihilate us as well as a love we can never truly fathom. Make it a point to know the characteristics of Christ. Through studying his word and seeking a relationship with him, you can get to know him. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11 with part two of his message, A Fulfilled Life. When instead you decide you're smarter than God, and nobody actually says that, but they prove it by the way they live, if you think you're smarter than God, I'm just going to go ahead and sleep with my boyfriend, I'm going to sleep with my girlfriend, I'm going to cheat on my wife, I'm going to cheat on my husband, I'm going to watch porn, I'm going to do the way I want to do it, I can tell you the number of people that I've ministered to over the years who in response to that have been left with shame and guilt and regret, disease, unplanned pregnancies, sorrow, betrayal. I mean, the list goes on. So it's not just Christianese. What we're saying is, when you live life the way God designed it, it goes better for you. It just does. And when you decide you're smarter than God and you want to live life the way you jolly well want, it won't go as well for you. It'll be more miserable. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. And by the way, even in that example of the right way or the wrong way to use the gift of sex that God has given, even in using it the wrong way, there's forgiveness. Jesus died for that on a cross, okay? There's forgiveness for all of that. But, but why would you want to incur the difficulty by willingly violate God's way? Why not prevent the heartache? Why not enjoy life to its fullest when we enjoy life God's intended way? 
So Solomon is like here in, in chapter 11 and 12, he's like, hey, enjoy life to its fullest while you're still young and able. And the way to do that is this, chapter 12, verse 1. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. The title of my message today is Keys to a Fulfilling Life. Keys to a Fulfilling Life. Because that's the conclusion that Solomon's going to come to. He's like, I've, I've tried everything, and now I realize that the only way to have a fulfilling life is, is to live my life in some simple ways. And he gives us three imperatives here in chapter 12. This is the first one. Remember your creator. Remember your creator. Now, I love the way that Solomon intentionally refers to God as creator. Of all the hundreds of names and titles for God in the Bible, he chooses the word creator. He's purposeful about this. He's saying not just to the young people, although that's the context, but he's saying to all of us, here's some good advice. You want to have a fulfilling life? Remember your creator. You know, you know the one who spoke the universe into existence? That one. You know the one who flung the stars into outer space and calls them each by name? That one. The one who controls the seas and the winds? That one. The one who says to ocean waves, you can come this far and no farther? That's the one I want you to remember, Creator God. Because that's the one who is ruler and sovereign and powerful over everything and everyone. I want you to remember Creator God. He's using a title for God because God is powerful and majestic and mighty and sovereign. He's Creator. Solomon says, remember Creator God. I think he learned a good lesson in this regard from his own father. Because David would write in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. David would say, when I consider your heavens, Lord... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Solomon's father, David, would say, when I consider creation and the creator behind creation, man, it makes me realize just how small I am. But in my insignificance, I'm not insignificant to God. What is man that you, Lord, you creator, are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. David writes in that passage in Psalm 8, 3 and 4 about creator God, who was the one who is the creator of universe, creator of all things. And yet that creator God cares about you, loves you, sent his son to die for you. Solomon says, I want you to remember that God. I want you to remember creator God who holds the universe in place in the palm of his hand. That's the same creator God who's going to hold your life together in the palm of his hand. Remember creator God. And remembering creator God means that you basically, that you lead a God-focused, God-surrendered life. That's what he's saying. Creator God on the throne, creator God over all the universe, creator God over my life, that we are to lead a God-focused, God-surrendered life. And then Solomon goes on here in chapter 12 to give a very colorful and poetic description of aging. It's a very poetic description of aging. Again, for you young people, this is, this is something you have to look forward to. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through chapter 12. I'm going to kind of just translate the poetry because, again, it, this is a very colorful description 
uh, of aging. So here in chapter 12, verse 1, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Translation, he says, remember your creator God before the lights go out and before the the gloomy season of life sets in. Verse 3 says, when the keepers of the house tremble, talking about your arms and strong men stoop, talking about your shoulders. He says, before you get weak arms and stooped shoulders, remember creator God. When the grinders cease because they are few. Talking about your teeth. He says, at some point you're going to lose a few teeth. Remember, Creator God, before your grinders cease and they are few. And those looking through the windows grow dim. Talking about dimmed eyesight. Verse 4, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. Talking about your mouth is closed, you lose your appetite. When men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. Talking about when you become hard of hearing. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. The older you get, you tend to become a little more fearful about things. He says, when the almond tree blossoms. You ever seen an almond tree in full blossom? It's like snow white. So it's a, it's a euphemism for white hair. And then, and then I love this. Rest of verse 5, and the grasshopper drags himself along. Your grasshopper with like bent knees, talking about bent knees, just kind of dragging yourself along. You're going to eventually become like that when we age. And desire no longer stirred. Talks about decreased libido the older you get. He says, the man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Then you die and people mourn your death. Verse 6, remember him. He says it again, remember Creator God before the silver cord is severed. Again, that's poetry for the spinal cord. Or the golden bowl is broken. That's poetry for your skull. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring. The pitcher is what draws something. It's talking about your lungs. Or the wheel broken at the well. The wheel's a poetic term for the heart that pumps, that pumps the well, that pumps the blood. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. He says, you got to remember God in all this, because if you just live life and go from your youth to your autumn years and just die, what a life that has no substance. Remember Creator God. And then Solomon comes to this conclusion about everything with two more imperatives for all of us, young and old. Look now at the final few verses of chapter 12, verse 13. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So he gives us two more imperatives here. Number one was remember God, but now here his concluding remarks in verse 13 is fear God. Fear God. Now a lot of people over the years have asked me, what does that really mean to fear God, to fear the Lord? And one of the best passages I think in the Bible that helps us to understand this 
is found actually in the Old Testament. It's in Exodus chapter 20. Now, before I quote the verse, let me set the scene. In Exodus chapter 20, this is the chapter where Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, receives the Ten Commandments from God. But the Bible tells us in Exodus 19 and 20 that God has revealed himself in very awesome, spectacular ways on Mount Sinai through lightning, thunder, smoke, fire, the earth is trembling. And the Israelites are at the base camp, at the, at the base of Mount Sinai, and Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments, and they're afraid. It says literally that they are afraid of God because of the sights and the sounds, the smoke and the, the trembling ground and the fire and the lightning and just all of this. And Moses then says to them this in Exodus 20, verse 20. He said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. All right, now wait a minute. It almost sounds like a contradiction in the same verse. Moses says, don't be afraid of God. I want you to fear God so that you won't sin. Well, which is it? Is it don't be afraid of God or is it fear God, Moses? Yes. (laughs) See, here's the deal. A healthy fear of God depends on a healthy view of God. If you don't have the right view of God, you won't understand the right way to fear God. So for some people, the wrong view of God is that God is always angry. God is vengeful. God is, God's always having a bad day, didn't get his cup of coffee in the morning, and just wants to nail somebody, almost with delight. And that's the way some people view God. He's just angry, vindictive, just wants to punish somebody. As a result, when you have that view of God, the fear of God means that you don't even want to approach him. You're scared of him. You you don't want to draw near to him. You're you're afraid of him. Whereas if you have a healthy view of God, that God is just, and God is perfect, and God is holy, God is righteous, God is pure, and God is loving— which is why he gave his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. When you understand the balance that he is just and righteous, but he's also loving and compassionate, then the right view of God makes you want to run to God when you sin because the fear of God means I don't want to do anything to disappoint or dishonor God. And I'm cut to the heart when I have a right fear of God, that my sin is displeasing to God and dishonoring to God. And so I'm cut to the heart with my own sinfulness and my own behavior and my own thoughts. But instead of running from God, I understand that as well as being a just and holy God, he's also a loving, compassionate God. So I run to him because I find forgiveness in his loving arms. That's a healthy view of God. It's a right view of God. Frankly, words can't really capture this whole term, the fear of God. The Bible is replete with examples of living and walking in the fear of God. But I offer you just a very inferior definition here. But it is, it is having a deep and profound, unmatched reverence and respect for Almighty God. It is holding Him in the highest sacred regard. And because of that, see, that motivates us to right living. Because then we don't want to dishonor God. We, we don't want to sin against God. We don't want to displease God. And we know that he's just and righteous, but we also know he's loving and compassionate. So it is a motivation for me not to sin, but it is also a reminder to me that I can run to him because he's my loving father. 
Acts 9 verse 31 says this, that the early church was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and grew in numbers and in the fear of the Lord. That's Acts 9 31. The early church strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. They grew in numbers and in the fear of the Lord. God help us. If we as a church are only about growing in numbers and not about growing in the fear of the Lord, we need to be people who understand a right and holy reverence for God. We need to be people who live in the fear of the Lord. This is the very fear of God that in Exodus chapter 3 caused Moses to take off his sandals. We see he was standing in the presence of a holy, majestic God. This is the same fear of God in Mark chapter 4 that tells us that when Jesus calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee, that the fear of the Lord filled the disciples' hearts, and they asked among themselves, who is this that even calms the seas and the winds? This is the same fear of God in the Gospel of Luke, that one of the thieves on one side of Jesus said to another thief on on the other side of Jesus being crucified with him, when the one thief mocked Jesus, the other thief, it says, said to that mocking thief, do you not fear God? This man is innocent. He's done nothing wrong, but we deserve this punishment. And to that one, Jesus promised eternal life that he would be with him in paradise. The fear of God must be recaptured in the life of a believer. We can't just walk glibly and carelessly in the sight and in the presence of a holy and majestic God. He is worthy of our praise. He is to be revered. He is to be honored. He is to be loved. He is to be cherished and respected with deep reverence. We are to walk in the fear of God. Solomon also adds another imperative here, also in the same verse. Not only remember your Creator God, number two, fear God, number three, keep God's commandments keep God's commandments. Friends, people who say they love God but don't do what God says are either ignorant or disobedient, one or the other. People go around saying, yeah, I love God, but they don't obey what God says in His Word, then they're either ignorant or disobedient. Now, if you're disobedient, meaning you know what God says and you willfully are doing the opposite, then the solution is you need to call it a sin, own it, and repent of it. That's how you get right with God. You're you're living in disobedience. You get convicted by what God says. You know His commandments. And so you repent of your sin. You get right with God. But for those of you who are ignorant, who don't understand, maybe you're new to the faith, or maybe you're even here today visiting because you don't even understand the whole thing of Christianity and being a Christ follower and what does all that mean. For you, let me just quote the words of Jesus who said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And he adds in John 14, 24, he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. John would say in 1 John 5, verse 3, this is love for God, that we obey his commands. And he adds, and his commands are not burdensome. Why are God's commands not burdensome when you have the right understanding of God's commands? Here's the reason why. The commandments of God are lining up God's people with the way that he designed the universe and designed life. 
That's what God's commandments do. They are to line up people according to the way that God designed life and God designed the universe. See, God is for us. He wants his best for us. So because he designed life and he designed the universe, he says, now, this is the way that I want you to live so that you enjoy life to its fullest because since I'm kind of the one, this is, I'm paraphrasing what God says in Scripture overall, since I'm kind of the one that designed life and designed the universe, if you really want to enjoy life to its fullest, then live life the way that I prescribe. So when we follow his commands, we enjoy life because we do it the way God says so we can enjoy life to its fullest. And this is an important aspect about commandments. And it can't be separated from the love of God. You can't go around saying, well, I love God, but then you just disregard what he says among his commandments. Listen, God, God is not up in heaven. For those of you who are unfamiliar with, with Scripture and, and God, God's not up in the heavens with a thunderbolt just ready to light somebody up. Okay, I know some people have this view of God. It's, it's not an accurate view of God. Don't think of God as just up in the heavens with a thunderbolt ready to light somebody up. He has given his commands not to rob you, but to lead you in the fullness of his joy. And for those of you who have tried life yourself with you in command long enough, and you realize, well, how's that working out for you? Then how about letting God be in command of your life and see how much better it would go? Because when you start putting God's commandments in place, in your life, you will begin to realize how much better life works and how much God is for you and loves you and wants his best for you. Because when you do life God's way, it brings God great glory and it brings you great joy. That's why his commands are not burdensome. Everybody understand this? Let me say something here. Cultural Christianity, cultural Christianity, basically says, just throw Jesus in the back seat, bring him along for the ride. Cultural Christianity basically says, just add Jesus to what you're doing. Add Jesus to the way you talk. Add Jesus to the places you go. Add Jesus to the way you live your life. Then once in a while, tweet out a Bible verse and give money to support a clean water initiative somewhere, eat free-range chicken, and vape instead of smoke. But you don't really need to do what Jesus says. That's cultural Christianity. That's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is not for the faint of heart. Biblical Christianity is a life that is a life of surrender. It's when you surrender your will, your thoughts, your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's where you determine, I'm going to die to myself every day. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm going to go, even as that hymn says, I'm going to follow him. Even if no one else comes with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Jesus is either your Lord or he's not, but there's no in-between. If you want a fulfilled life, Remember Creator God, fear God, and keep His commandments. And it'll go well with you. Sure, there's going to be some hard times in life, but God is faithful to His Word, and He will never leave you, and He will never forsake you. I dare you. I double-dog dare you. (laughs) Remember your Creator, fear God, and follow His commandments. 
and see how it'll go for your life. If you're tired of doing life your way, how about letting God be in charge and see what a difference it'll make. We're so blessed to be able to bring you challenging and biblically-based teaching with each new edition of Cornerstone Connection. We hope your faith is made stronger each time you tune in, as well as each time you open your Bible for yourself. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Gary's teachings in the book of Ecclesiastes, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. We have an extensive archive of teachings available for you there, which you can listen to or watch right online. Feel free to share these with friends and family. You can also download our mobile app to keep God's Word with you as you go about your daily activities. Do you live in the Leesburg area, or will you be visiting soon? If so, we'd like to extend an invitation to join us for our weekly gatherings. We meet each week to spend time in prayer and worship, studying the Bible, and getting to know each other better. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to get service times, more information, and directions. You can also call us, 703-771-1500. We love getting to chat with our listeners and finding out how we can be praying for them. That number again is 703-771-1500. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.